Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Goose is Loose podcast. Um, it is episode one, podcast format. If you believe me, this is the third time me, of me trying to start this podcast because even though the app is fantastic, I have absolutely zero experience editing or recording anything. That's why I always did it live. Um, but for those of you who don't like looking at me or who want it to be more convenient, you're welcome. Here we are. I personally listen to about 19 hours of Joe Rogan every week. So I understand your need for the podcast format. Hopefully you can listen to this um, on the go. And when you feel like it, I'll probably be doing these podcasts once a week um, if the news cycle allows or if law school allows. The reason that I haven't been doing uh, The Goose is Loose is simply because law school is crushing my soul. Um, th- <laughs> luckily, I have my wife around to keep me uh, keep my spirits high and the promise of high income in the future. That's all that's, that's, all that's keeping me alive so far. So... Um, I will post timestamps, hopefully, if I remember to do that. Um, but this is what we'll be talking about today. The omnibus spending bill that Donald Trump reluctantly signed this morning. Today is Friday. Uh, a few quotes, a few notes from that. Donald Trump on gun control, the Maryland school shooting, compared to the Parkland school shooting, and the media coverage of that. Um, something you should be upset about, the Facebook privacy invasion with Cambridge Analytica. And maybe a few things I'll talk about next week if the if the news cycle hasn't moved on too quickly. And if I don't take up too much of your time, I'll tell you a couple of things I like um, from the current culture. Okay, so on the spending bill. First off, if you want to look at what Rand Paul thinks, you can go over to my Facebook page. I've posted a few of his comments. Uh, he's one of the only people who actually try to read this thing. This thing was 2,232 pages, and they had very little time to read it. Um, Donald Trump was upset about that, actually. He threatened to veto it, which, of course, he would never do. Um, And here's a few notes, okay? So this is one of the reasons I don't trust the government. I don't think the government's efficient. I don't think it does things well. And I don't think it knows how to spend its money. It spent $350,000 on asking if Japanese quail are more promiscuous on cocaine. So just picture this. You have a bunch of quail. You give them some cocaine. Are they banging more? Are they putting out more? That's the question I want to know. Uh, let's spend a bunch of money. If I spent that much money on anything, not only would my wife rightfully divorce me, I would be broke. Uh, and I would be irresponsible and a moron. But that's not how it works for the government. Then Donald Trump negotiated. By the way, uh, he's been called a terrible negotiator. And as you've seen, his progress in the office, he has done a terrible job in negotiating, negotiating things. But nevertheless... He got some more money for the military, which Republicans were all in favor for. So now he has $700 billion towards the military in this next budget year, ending in 2018. It's a $66 billion increase from last year. Also, non-defense spending is up $52 billion. So you heard all the increase in spending. What you did not hear and what you really won't find is any offsetting. So Republicans are actually pretty upset about this as well. Uh, Donald Trump is pretty much a lose-lose for Donald Trump on this one. Basically, he's spending more money. Without cutting any costs, exactly what he told, exactly what he was so upset about Obama, right? That Obama was spending too much money, that Democrats were out of control, blah, blah, blah. Donald Trump is going to fix a deficit. None of that's going to happen now. Donald Trump is actually increasing a deficit, uh, which will increase our debt. Unsurprisingly so, to anybody who knew that the guy wasn't a real conservative, but actually is a huge populist. Um, I have a Democratic senator, Chris Van Hulen, who said one of the worst negotiators I've ever seen about Donald Trump. Uh, according to the Washington Post. However, it is important to note Donald Trump did get some money for his wall, so $1.6 billion will go to the wall. However, here's the key part, okay? 
a lot of times some of this some of these headlines don't really tell you especially if you follow a lot of conservative um, publications if you're reading the blaze if you're reading um, Steve Bannon's old stomping grounds any of that if you read that Breitbart it will not tell you this Donald Trump well maybe right because Ann Coulter is super upset at Donald Trump right now if you saw her tweet Donald Trump said I would never sign another bill like this and she said you won't because you'll be impeached so and this is the woman who wrote the book in Trump we trust um, so she's turned against them if you're a Donald Trump supporter still uh, I congratulate you on your belief I would recommend religion instead of government to put your trust in but here we are anyhow uh, Donald Trump for the border wall 1.6 billion dollars that is for wall improvements my friends that is not for new wall that's not gonna build anything up that's only to improve so the current wall conditions that's what we're talking about we're not talking about adding any new any new coverage area although I will say the wall conditions are pretty bad I've been to the border myself I've talked about this a few times on the Goose's Loose live podcast if you can call it that uh, at some points it's just a fence like at some points it's really a small fence um, and it's more of a marker than a barrier I would probably say so this isn't a loss if you're a um, well it's a bit of a loss but it's not a huge loss if you're an advocate of the wall uh, because you are improving the current wall although of course I will say I hate the idea of a wall I think it's completely inefficient I think it does almost nothing and it encourages people to cross this huge landscape to try to get over the wall and die. I mean, thousands of people die trying to get to America uh, across this desert between Mexico and the United States. If you go to the San Diego border, as I have been, I did a lot of studying up there. I was there for a week uh, my senior year of my undergrad talking to people, talking to border control, and essentially they said, you know, listen, it doesn't do anything. Border patrol said guys will throw drugs over the border, and a majority, I think it was nearly like 60-70% of drugs that come into the country come through conventional ports of entry. So it's guys that pull up to the little gate that you have to cross to get into Mexico, the border crossing, and they lie, they pay the guy off, whatever. Think about this. You're talking about a drug cartel who pulls up to deal with one person. One government employee is standing there between them and entering the United States. You give that guy 50K and you go right through and you still make millions. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the Pablo Escobar, um, I think it's called Narcos on Netflix, and he says plama o pluto, or plata o plumo, which means silver or lead. So they're gonna shoot you or you can take some money. And speaking with Border Patrol, that is, that is what people tell um, Border Patrol agents all the time. Drug cartelers will come up and they'll say, listen, either you take our money or you die. So when you say that the uh, building up a bigger wall is going to stop um, any any income of drugs into the country, that's just not true. That's from Border Patrol themselves. Um, where it does work is politically, the people around the country who have no idea what they're dealing with when they're talking about border security. Um, but otherwise, it's just not accurate. So I'm actually glad that we're not sinking a bunch of money into building more wall because it simply won't work. Um, Donald Trump also tried to negotiate protection for DACA recipients for border wall money and when that fell through he's blaming Democrats um, part of that's true I think I think Democrats aren't taking the deals he's been offering uh, he's offered some great deals too, some crazy he offered to give amnesty to three times the amount of people that Obama 
uh, gave amnesty with DACA. So I think it was 2.1 million people were going to be uh, receiving amnesty, up from the 800,000 that received amnesty from um, Barack Obama. And Democrats turned it down because they didn't want to give more uh, more funding for the wall. Now, Donald Trump's trying to spin that to say, listen, that means Democrats don't care about you, but I care about you. Well, that's not necessarily true, right? I think um, Democrats know they have a winning card, and I think they're unwilling to part with it. So Democrats understand that DACA is unbelievably popular. It's only not popular among very, very few select hard-right people. The majority of the country likes DACA. It, it feels like it embodies the American dream. It feels fair, and it doesn't really hurt you very much because you already have these people here. Most of them are already acclimated to the American way. They're in school. They're contributing. They're, they're good people. Um, and the qualifications for DACA are also very stringent. It's not like you have murderers who are receiving, who are receiving this amnesty. So it's wildly popular. And I don't think Donald Trump, although try as he may, will be able to change it in a way where they take a deal less than they know they can get. And they can get a lot for this. Because either Donald Trump caves and just signs it acting like it wasn't a big deal, or they get a good deal out of it. Either way, DACA will get done. If you are listening and you are a DACA recipient, I wouldn't worry for a second. Um, there have been an increase in deportations, but only one or two of those have actually been DACA recipients. Most of that have just been people who are here illegally. Um, so rest assured. And if you're in California, then I really wouldn't be... Uh, I really wouldn't be too upset because California is still an amnesty amnesty state, um, although there's a little bit of lawsuit going on between that, but I don't think they'll be able to do anything, Republicans being so for state rights, except when it comes to enforcing laws like this. Um, but yes, if you're a DACA recipient, you'll be absolutely fine. This will get enshrined soon enough in law, um, and I just don't think it's going to be a big deal, but Donald Trump will cave or he'll have to negotiate for a lot less than he's been trying to offer thus far. Okay, let's move on um, to the Maryland school shooting. Okay, so you might not have heard about this, actually, because it was um, kind of not really covered by the media. And I feel like, to, <laughs> to some of your points, sometimes I, I agree with the left a lot. Like, there was one week where I was just like, man, the left is right on this. And I had a few people, actually, who usually disagree with me, say how happy they were that they were agreeing with me. Um, and then I agree, sometimes I agree with the right a lot. Um, not all of it, especially since Donald Trump is in charge nowadays. But the ideology, and I think that this is right. The Maryland school shooting wasn't covered because it didn't fit the narrative. Right? So what, here's what we had. We had one male student who shot two kids before he was shot down by a security guard, an armed officer at the school. Um, the kid had a handgun. And he, the one young lady he actually injured ended up dying. Um, today, Friday, uh, March 23rd, according to CNN. But the other person was fine. So you had one fatality, one minor injury, I think. And in Parkland, you had 17 dead. So why aren't we getting any media coverage on this? Here's why. The man was 17, so he should not have been able to buy a gun regardless, yet he had a gun. It was a handgun, not an, not an assault rifle, right, as they like to call them, not an assault-style rifle. Uh, and let me, let me address that for a second because I think that's an important note because I think the right takes a very hard stance on people calling things assault rifles and they hate it and they mock it. And the left loves the word assault rifles because it sounds scary. I land somewhere in between. I don't think it's stupid to call something an assault rifle because I think that some of these guns 
are in fact assault rifles. Like they are made for combat against other people. They're not like, and I know, and I realize that you know an AR-15 is semi-automatic and a hunting rifle is semi-automatic, but a hunting rifle isn't made, isn't manufactured. Its main purpose isn't to kill other people. Its purpose is to kill animals. An assault-style rifle is designed to kill people. That's what the gun's made for. It's made for reloading it easier. It's made for higher bullet velocity. It's made for all sorts of things. And it's made for tactical approach to killing people. So when you say, well, you know, assault rifle means nothing, I think it has a small meaning. I don't think it's nearly as demonstrative as Democrats would have it mean, but I don't think it's a, a, a word without any meaning. So when I when you talk about an AR-15 being an assault-style rifle, I think that's accurate. Um, so the Maryland shooting had a handgun, non-assault-style rifle, so the media doesn't want to cover that because if you did, right, if you went after this, you would have to say you don't want you want handguns banned. You want more control on handguns, and that will not go over well. Um, along with the, you know, we want more gun control, we want this, we want that. Handguns have really stayed out of the picture because the handgun is the kind of the most personal weapon that you can have for self-defense or whatever. It's also the main the main gun that kills people in this country. It's also the number one gun for suicide. But that's not, you know, long guns and handguns are just barred from the conversation um, for some reason. And we want to focus on the assault style rifles. Now, I've kind of softened my position on this. Um, a lot of you libertarian listeners will be upset, but I think it's fair. Here's the thing. The availability of firepower is what worries me, not the availability of guns. The availability of guns, I think the current laws are pretty decent, although in California I was actually looking into getting a concealed carry or even a handgun just for my house, and it was really kind of a, kind of a performance you have to do to get one of these things. Um, so maybe the handguns can be a little lax. Maybe the long guns can be a little bit relaxed. But the availability of firepower is concerning. Here's why. I am a man who feels like I can defend myself pretty well. Even if somebody were to come in with a handgun, I feel like there could, there's, there's some counterplay. There's something you can do. Now, if you're somebody in a Vegas, you know, you're at a, at a, a concert in Las Vegas, and there's some guy, supposedly one guy, shooting at you, from a building there's nothing you can do and and the rate of fire is tremendous especially with bump stocks and there's just not really much counterplay you can do there's you know you can run for cover you can hide he reloads extremely quickly because he's using a salt style rifle and there's not much you can do about it and that availability of firepower is threatening and if you don't buy that argument then i ask you why are automatic guns available right if you tell me the rate of firepower is irrelevant and that bad people are going to be bad people, then why do have we had, you know, Tommy guns and automatic weapons illegal for you know, for decades? I think since I don't even know, maybe since the 60s, automatic weapons have been almost gone. It's almost impossible to get one um legally. Of course, you can probably get one illegally. But so that's my it's you shouldn't be able to go into a store, right, into a Walmart or into any well, they might stop selling those, but into anything, anywhere, and buy a weapon where you can mow down twenty, thirty people in minutes. That's that to me seems unnecessary. If your main focus of even having a gun is to protect yourself or maybe to fight the government. And even then, right, let's talk about that one, because I think that's something that I 
that I always kind of thought, yeah, well, you needed to fight tyrannical governments. Okay, so let's talk about the point of fighting the tyrannical government. Are you going to overthrow the government? I don't think so. I think with our current environment, what you're more likely going to do is you're going to stage kind of an armed resistance and hope that the UN or somebody helps you, right? And hope that somebody helps you. Because you're, what you're not going to do is defeat the American military or defeat... Uh, you're not going to be a bunch of young farmers. like Shea, Think of Shays Rebellion, right? Shays Rebellion is a bunch of farmers. They rebel. They get slaughtered, absolutely murdered. And then what? Well, they got, yeah, they, they changed some things. They got some, they enacted some new legislation that uh, exactly what they were fighting for. They all died, but it happened. They didn't have to win, right? They just had to resist. And I think to resist, you need guns for certain. I mean, look at uh, what happened in Oregon, right? The guy was resisting the land usage. And he actually won. He got some new rules passed that, that allowed him to graze in that pasture. But he had guns. No one died, but he was resisting. But I don't think he, if he decided to, he could have overthrown the local sheriff's department, right? Much less the National Guard, much less the U.S. military. So I think that the argument for we need guns to overthrow our government uh, is, a little, is a little misguided, right? Because if you really believe that, then you want automatic weapons, you want rocket launchers, you want tanks. If you really believe that we should have the same guns as the government, you would be arguing for automatic, fully automatic weapons being sold at your local liquor store. So I think that's a little bit mis a bit of a misnomer. So I think where I stand currently is on guns um, is you should be able to buy a gun if you want one. I think if you want a gun, you should be able to walk in, get a gun, maybe a few-day waiting period. If you could show me that really works, if you could show me that the waiting period works, I will look into it. I, you know, I'd buy it. But if you, can, if you don't show me any concrete evidence, I think people should be able to walk in, they buy a gun, they walk out. Because what you're trying to stop with gun regulation is not suicides, right? You're trying to stop mass shootings. And mass shootings can be, can be we, can get, we can get closer to it by limiting the firepower that's available. So, back to Maryland. Why didn't it come up? Well, it was a bad guy with a gun shot by a good guy with a gun, Right? I've seen, but I've seen a lot of posts from the right that kind of state that, um, and they claim too much. And I think this is a mistake that people make when they when they get a, a glimmer of being right. They claim too much. So was it just a good guy with a gun shooting a bad guy with a gun? I don't think that's true. Well, it's true in a sense, right? But I think what they end up claiming is that listen, gun laws didn't work, age restrictions didn't work, this didn't work, that didn't work. What worked was another guy with a gun. Okay, so in a sense, that's true. But in a bigger sense, we don't know how many shootings have been stopped by the laws, right? You have no idea. What you know is that it didn't work this time. And isn't it odd that it's such a big deal that it didn't work this time? It almost claims to say that it's unusual if it doesn't work. So the deterrents work. That's why I hate the argument. This is my least favorite argument from the right. Well, why would we pass laws? Because if we pass laws... Bad guys will have guns anyways. It won't change anything. That's the dumbest. That's got to be the dumbest argument I've ever heard for anything in my life. Because if you really believe that, right? If you believe that laws don't stop bad people, that if bad people are going to do things anyways, they're going to do them anyways. You're you're misunderstanding the purpose of laws, and you're claiming that every law ever does shouldn't exist, right? Why do we have a law against murder? Because murderers will murder regardless. 
Why do we have a law against tax evasion? Because people who don't want to pay taxes won't pay taxes. That's not how it works. It's called deterrence. It's a deterrent factor. People will see that something is illegal and they might not do it. You have no idea how many people have been deterred by these laws. So if you believe in laws at all, then you should believe in gun control, right? Because it doesn't make sense the other way. It doesn't make sense that you believe in laws for everything else but guns. It's the same argument, might I add, that Democrats have correctly brought up about abortion. If you say that gun laws don't stop people from buying guns, why do you believe that abortion laws stop people from getting abortions? Right? Democrats say, if you ban abortions, women will be having back-of-the-alley coat hanger abortions, and you will harm women, and you will have the same number of abortions. And what did the Republicans say? That's not true. That's absolutely not true. There will be less abortions. So how does it not translate to if you stop the availability of some of these guns, you have less shootings? How does that not translate? So I think it's a very weak argument. I think it's an argument that politicians put forth that people really bought, right? Oh, we should focus on, on sin and the heart of man and blah, blah, blah. And that's all true. Listen, I don't want to downplay that. Sin is absolutely why we have these problems. Evil people is absolutely why we have these problems. But I don't know about you. Changing someone's heart is a lot of work. That's why it's a miracle when it happens. Changing the laws shouldn't be. Changing the laws should be very quickly. So think of it this way. You change laws in the short run for the short-term solution, and you focus on developing good people and stopping white kids from shooting people, right? White boys from shooting people up. We work on that as a long-term plan. That's the long-term plan. The short-term plan is we try to keep the guns away. You know, that's the same reason you don't let your kids make decisions, right? You stop them in the short term, but you're waiting for them to grow up. And in the long term, they'll be able to do it themselves. That's what we have now. So I think that that's a very dishonest argument. And you try to claim too much. Did a good guy with a gun stop a bad guy with a gun? Yes. Does that mean all gun regulations ever are ineffective? No. So just keep that in perspective. But I will finish on this segment with, yes, absolutely, um, there is a media bias for Democrats. It's a very left-leaning media bias, and that's why you haven't heard much about the Maryland school shooting. It doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't fit the gun control narrative, right? Because if that worked, then you're going to lead that to why can't we, you know, the whole thing comes back of why shouldn't we be arming teachers? Why can't we have more security guards in the school? Why can't we have more security in schools in general? And I don't know if you saw this, but uh, a new... Uh, kind of rule for a school district came in play about the clear backpacks. And this is obviously just for a very specific school. I can't quite remember where it is. But it's going to be kids have to have ID on them, an ID tag that hangs out, and a clear backpack so that they can't be carrying weapons, supposedly. And the Parkland school shooting survivors, right, those five or six kids who have been, for some reason, the voice of reason in, in gun debate uh, in our country. And here, let me just add, I agree with Ben Shapiro. Just because you've been through something, it doesn't make you an expert on that thing, right? So, yes, they went through something horrific. It doesn't make them gun control experts. They aren't all of a sudden the like the person to talk to about guns. They're the person to talk to about how it feels to be near death, how it feels to watch people die. That Yes, they have a lot of knowledge about that. They might not have a lot of knowledge about the most effective way to stop these things, right? Um, so I, I kind of object to them being the, for some, for some reason, the logical voice of gun control in America. But I digress. These people, these same people, are against, they've come out kind of 
saying, wow, you know, like, how dare you make these kids wear the backpacks? The problem is guns, blah, 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 blah. So they wanted to curtail your gun rights until it became curtailing their own rights, right? This is the first generation of people who've ever marched to have their own rights taken away by the government. I think that's really funny. The only generation that's come out and said, government, we have too many rights. Uh, you should take some of our rights away. So that's kind of ironic. I like it. Uh, the clear backpack thing is very funny to me. I don't. I, I think it's okay. I don't think it's the necessarily the best thing to do. It seems very invasive. Um, not that I ever carried anything weird in my backpack, but I guess it's still strange. I don't know why we can't just have metal detectors and armed guards. I more armed guards are a good thing. I don't know why people. And by the way, the the little idea that's been floating around of having veterans guard schools. It's been floating around for years. I don't know why we don't do that. Uh, we have plenty of money. Obviously, we just spent three hundred fifty thousand on Japanese quail on cocaine. So obviously, we have the money. Um, that to me sounds fantastic. That sounds great. Okay, let's move on. So, Facebook privacy evasion. Okay, Cambridge Analytica. Let me let me explain to you a little bit what's going on here. Uh, we probably have another ten minutes on the podcast just to go over this real quick. So here's what happened, okay? If you're really mad at Facebook, you should be, okay? And you should be mad at Steve Bannon. As of course, the, the supervillain Steve Bannon, he's back in the, news, in the news cycle. So Cambridge was created by Steve Bannon and the Mercers, Robert Mercer. If you don't know who that is, he's a huge conservative donor. Um, and here's how it worked. So you're on Facebook. You're hanging out. You're trying to avoid doing work for the day. You're trying to avoid writing your quiz or whatever you're trying to do. Uh, so you're looking through Facebook and you find a quiz that says, what kind of pizza are you? And you think, man, that's exciting. What kind of pizza am I? So you go to take this quiz. Now, right when you open the quiz, it asks you a question. It says, are you allowing this company, whoever it is who made this little quiz about what pizza you are, to have your information? And you don't care, right? You don't give a damn. You go, yeah, take all my info. I don't care. So here's what happened. There's a loophole through those little quizzes that allows that company who you've just given permission to your life to also take permission of every single Facebook friend you have. So I have a thousand friends on Facebook, uh, 95% of which have probably blocked me because of my obnoxious political posts, about 18 a day. But to those of you remaining, thank you. And to everyone else, I'm very sorry. Here's the thing. When you give allowance to them, when you allow them to open up your Facebook and look through all your info, they can do it for your friends as well. So, and that's a loophole that Facebook says, listen, that's not legal. You can't sell the data that you get from Facebook friends. You can only sell the data that you got from the person who took the quiz. Cambridge, of course, sold the data from everybody. So how many people took the quiz? 270,000 people took this little quiz from Cambridge. How many people, of, how many people did they get data from? 50 million, 50 million people. That's how many people they had data from. And of course, that data was used to help the Donald Trump campaign. Facebook knew about this little loophole for two years and they did nothing. That's why this is a bigger issue for Facebook than it is for Cambridge, I think. Getting your information for political purposes is absolutely normal. Um, Barack Obama did this really well. And here's where I disagree with Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro said they're very similar. They're not. Right. One was you had to go on to like you knew you were giving your information to Barack Obama when you were there. You knew it here. You didn't know. Right. You were just taking a little Facebook quiz. You want to know what kind of bagel you look like. Uh, and 
it essentially took your information and not just yours but all of your Facebook friends so imagine that like conservative uncle that pisses you off well, you took the quiz and you gave his information to Donald Trump so Donald Trump could say, drain the swamp and your uncle loves it. So that drunk conservative uncle that you're always complaining about, it's your fault. You helped Donald Trump get to him. Donald Trump got all their information and then they found the kind of people that would like his platform. And how do you know? Well, the music, what they post, what they listen to, where they go, what kind of friends they have where they live in the country, all of those things create a profile and help someone determine who you'd vote for. If you gave me about 10 facts about somebody, I could probably tell you what party they're going to vote for. Because in this country, it's very, it's, it's binomial. Is it Democrats or is it Republicans? So you have to be very careful with your information. Now, there's a whole movement for delete Facebook. I would actually love that. Um, if there's a new platform coming out, I would love that. Uh, if people were willing to do it, I'd love to go back to MySpace. Because you click on my MySpace page, Pantera's Walk comes on, and it's dope, and you're in intrigued. Um, and I could have my top 10 friends there, and you would look at them and be like, wow, Gustavo's friends with so-and-so. And, and it would switch sometimes because people pissed me off. Um, so, yeah, let's go back. Because Facebook is absolutely invading your privacy 100%. Okay, now... Next week, I think uh, some of you may have... Actually, I'm sorry. You know what? Let me comment on something that my friend Spencer Kelly brought up, which is what's going on with Orange County, right? Right here at home. What's going on with Orange County and the homeless? So Orange County came out with this plan to um, house the homeless in camps in cities. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about that. If you want to learn more, go on there. I'm trying to keep this podcast around 30 minutes. Um... So if you want to learn more about what Orange County is doing for the homeless, you can go look that up. Here's my solution, though. Um, I'm not sure how much this applies to Orange County per se, but I know that a lot of times in a lot of cities around the country, there are certain zoning laws that restrict churches from housing homeless because they have to be houses, homeless shelters, and zoning laws don't allow that. It's, it's probably the same moron who came up with the laws that you can't feed the homeless certain kinds of food. And the same exact moron, maybe from the same moronic family, who forces stores and grocery stores to throw out food who is you know, nearly expired or very or, or unattractive and they can't sell it. So they have to throw it away instead of donating it. It's all the same people. They're all morons. So what I would do is take all that money that you're going to use for housing camps and blah, blah, blah. Give that to churches. Allow churches to help the homeless. That's the job of churches. Churches, if you're listening, you should be helping the homeless. That's it. That's I mean, it's right in there. Open it up. It's right in there. Help the homeless. Help the needy. Help the least of these. That's what churches are for. And a lot of churches in my area, right? I'm in Orange County. They have huge facilities. They're super nice. My own church is going through some renovations. It's going to be nice. Allow us to help people. Allow us to help the homeless. So, Spencer, this is just for you. I think we need to get the community involved, and I think that Orange County needs to put its nose down from the air, thinking, oh, we don't want homeless around here. This is like L.A. Um, but I also think that if you do put homeless shelters, I mean, the, the one in Huntington Beach is going to be relatively close to me, that does depress home values. That That is going to bring the community down a little bit. Absolutely. If you have a bunch of tents out by a school, Oh, by the way, and I object to the notion that homeless people are dangerous. 
Uh, a lot of comments. I read a few comments before I started talking about this to see what the kind of people thought. And people said, isn't it a, a health concern or you know a, a safety concern to have homeless near a school? Listen, if you think that homeless are so dangerous and you think they need so much help, you should help them. You should get these people into psychiatric help if they need it, into getting a job, which obviously they need it, into getting adequate housing, which is the most essential. If you think they're so dangerous, you should do something. Um, you should not just criticize them from afar, right? The problem is in your doorstep, Orange County. It's time to do something. I don't think the answer is shoving them into parks for, for the term being. I think the answer is allowing churches to help and having the local community help. And it does, it's not, it's not like thousands and thousands of homeless people. If you look at the number, that's very, it's very, it's very reasonable number of people. The amount of churches in this county is insane. Orange County is very conservative. Orange County has a lot of churches. Let's put those churches to good use. I, it has not happened. Allow the church to how to help. Okay, finally, uh, next week. So I will be taking requests all through this week. If you disagreed with me, I'd love to hear it. If you have a topic you want me to touch on, I'd love to hear it. Next week, I want to talk about racism. Um, namely, that I think there are three types of racism. Um, I, think, I think there are outright racists. I think there are people who make decisions. Well, let's say I think that there are racists. And then there's some sort of discrimination, right? There is discrimination based on group data. And then there is, you know outright racism. So I will be talking about that next week. I think you'll be most interested in on my take about group data. I'll give you an example maybe to get you come back. Essentially, imagine that you're trying to hire a taxi driver, right? And this example is taken straight from Ben Shapiro because I think it's a great example about this. And it's something that's taboo to talk about, but I think it's very fair. Imagine you're trying to hire a taxi driver and group X, 40% of people in group X have a problem with drinking. And only 1% of people in group Y have a problem with drinking. With no other data, how do you, what do you do? You would hire from group Y, of course. Now, if for some reason those were related to race, you would call that racism. But it's not. It's looking at group data. So I want to talk a lot more about that. I think that's very important um, because I think that calling someone a racist has become kind of a blanket insult. And I, t and I object to that. I think it's a very narrow thing. I think racism is a very narrow thing and discrimination is a much bigger thing. And sometimes discrimination is justified and sometimes it's not. So I want to talk about when I think it is, when I think it isn't. That will be next week. Um, I will also touch on some of the elections coming up. And of course, I will touch on the current news cycle. So you've been listening to The Goose is Loose. Thank you very much. This is podcast episode one. Like I said, please send in your topic ideas. Please send in your disagreements. I will probably address them on the podcast. Um, anyways, thank you very much.